Well, good morning, Christ Central. I'm Dave Grigg. I have the privilege to serve as one of your elders. My wife Bonnie and I are members of the East Charlotte Community Group. Uh, for a bit more trivia about me, uh, I think it's perfectly fine to put both grape jelly and yellow mustard on a Bojangles sausage biscuit. Thank you. But let's pray. Lord, if there's anything else I'm planning to say that probably doesn't have place in this sermon, help me to have the courage not to say it. But Lord, open your word to us and teach us and guide us into just thinking about the whole spirit of this, this worship service this morning. Just help, help guide us into deeper reflection and deeper response to, to you and your good news. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you think about when you think about Christmas? What do you feel at Christmas? What do you think or feel about you at Christmas? At Christmas time, I, I feel particularly inadequate. I wasn't eager, candidly. I wasn't eager to give a sermon in this series, in this season. I feel like I tend towards being too superficial to be up to the task. And sure, the stuff you hear about Christmas becoming too commercial, too secular, yeah, that bothers me, but that, that's not what I'm talking about. This, this is not going to be a Charlie Brown Christmas, even if the sermon title is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I'm, I'm talking about what we just read, the angels, the shepherds, and Mary. Their obvious sense of awe, of God's great glory, of worship, their, particularly Mary's, willingness to wrestle with the deep things of God. Why don't I feel like that? Particularly at Christmas. And let's jump straight to the punchline. Luke 2, 18, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Is my problem that I'm a wonderer, but not a ponderer, not a treasurer? More on that in a minute, but Let's, let's begin with three quick observations. First, the angels. One angel came to give the incredible good news, Luke 2.10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that's the point, right? That's the good news. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. God's plan from before time began to redeem, to rescue, to adopt. His people started on earth in earthly time that night. But rather than focus on that, which again is clearly the main point, instead I've been tempted to get lost kind of in wondering. And by wondering, for these purposes, I mean merely being interested 
and what I've been interested in when I read this, it's, it's gone on for decades, is I, I get kind of lost in what is a multitude of angels? What was the multitude's role? Exactly how did it happen? The, the one angel had a clear role as messenger, but what, what about the rest? I, I, I talked with Pastor Josh about this, about what, I, what I'm going to say next, and he, he said it's okay for me to say it, as long as I make clear that this is something that Dave wonders about, that's something that I am interested in, but I need to be clear that the Bible is silent on this topic. Okay, so this next part is something that Dave wonders about. That's all it is. How many is a multitude? And over what area of the sky were they spread over? Just right there, over that little town of Bethlehem, or farther out and up? Were there angels singing over the Atlantic Ocean or the North Pole or the rings of Saturn? But in contrast to wondering about that in that fashion, in his book, Behold the Lamb of God, an Advent narrative, Russ Ramsey, who is the pastor of Christ Pres in Nashville, zeroes in on the real importance of the multitude. Here's, here's what he wrote. It was as if there were millions of angels hiding just behind some celestial door. And once they heard, unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord, they were unable to contain their joy any longer. <clears throat> and all rushed in, praising God, singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Second quick point, the shepherds. The lowest of the low in that society. In a sermon I listened to, Tim Keller pointed out that shepherds were so low in that society that they were not allowed to be witnesses in court. Can you imagine how scared they were? The one angel, as angels so often did in the Bible, had to tell them not to be afraid. But they were still terrified. Can you imagine how scary it was with a whole sky full of angels reflecting the glory of God? Yet most folks, so far as we know, the overwhelming majority of the people who heard the story of Jesus' birth heard it from the lowly shepherds, not from the angels. And third quick point, Mary. Dr. Keller also pointed out that while all who heard it wondered, made some note or recognition or go, oh, huh, that's interesting, there in verse 18, only Mary is stated as having treasured, which means actually memorized, pondered, which means converse. She went back and forth with the information she had been given in her mind and her heart. She had a deep interaction with the truth, not only in her mind, but in her heart and soul. And y'all... I just don't regularly respond like that, have a deep interaction with that material. But in other contexts, I do. And I find that confusing. As an example, a few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast. Dr. Claude Alexander, who is the pastor of, of the Park Church, uh, was one of the speakers. He gave some of his family history. You may know, but I did not. His father was a medical doctor. In fact, he was doc doctor to civil rights hero, Dr. John Perkins. On February, February 7th, 1970, following a protest, 
when Dr. Perkins was arrested and tortured nearly to death by white police officers, Pastor Alexander's father treated his injuries, perhaps saved his life. That is profoundly moving to me. Several years ago, I read one of Dr. Perkins' books, and he discussed those events in some detail, and I, I was cut by it. So then a few weeks ago, I was listening to the podcast while I was driving, and as Pastor Alexander spoke about what his father did for Dr. Perkins, I experienced that same deeper heart turmoil interaction thinking about Dr. Perkins' courage and sacrifice and also Dr. Alexander's. Even though I was driving and it was just a podcast, not to offend anybody, but I think that's very impersonal. And listening to a man I've never met talk about his dad and another man and events that happened more than 50 years ago, many degrees of separation for me, yet I was moved. I, had, I went back and forth thinking about that. The last several years, I've been interacting deeply with true stories like that, moving beyond wondering or interest to pondering to what does it mean to how I live my life. It's very similar to the way I've always felt about my grandfather, my maternal grandfather. He fought in World War II. He was a pilot. Over the course of the war, of the men who flew the missions he did where he did, one-third didn't come home. He did come home, for which I'm very grateful, but when I think of his courage and willingness to sacrifice, I'm deeply moved. I ponder, work back and forth with what does that mean for me that he and other people did things like that. When I think of courage and sacrifice, whether it's by a national hero like Dr. Perkins or a personal hero like my grandfather, there is a heartfelt response, a wrestling, if you will, that I don't have much control over I hear those stories and wrestle with them, what they mean for me and how I live my life, and I can't shake them. Don't want to shake them. So then back to the first point, why don't I feel like that about Christmas? About the Christmas story? Where's the, the thing? About Jesus' birth, about the earthly beginning of God's great plan to redeem His people, about God's grand design from before time began to demonstrate to all creation that He is both holy and gracious, both just, just and loving. The angels got it, the shepherds got it, Mary, Mary surely did. Where's my real raw response to this incredible, this singularly incredible fact of history? That unto me... And you, there is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I'm not being critical of wondering. I'm not being critical of being interested in things. That's a great place to start. But concerning the things of God, it's not a stopping point. Mere interest is not a destination. I need to go beyond wondering about or merely being interested in the things of God further to treasuring and pondering, to learning, memorizing, and interacting and wrestling with the truths of the Christmas story and the whole Bible, the gospel, the story of God's insistent plan to redeem His people. To give a couple examples, it's one thing to be interested in the idea of what angels look like 
or how many there are or where they were the night Jesus was born. And I've been there a while. It's something totally different to treasure and ponder, to wrestle with what it means that God's glory is displayed in all of the gospel, including Jesus' birth, so much so that it could not be contained that night. Heaven exploded because of God's gospel and God's great glory. What does that mean for me? That's the important part. What does it mean for me and for you that those things are true? Another example. It's one thing to wonder how the appearance of the multitude of angels might have frightened the lowly shepherds, and certainly it did. But it's another thing to treasure and ponder, to wrestle with what it means that God chose the lowest of the low to be the first recipients and then messengers of the gospel. And what does that mean for things about like how we view status and class? And how we think about that. And that's the takeaway. More for me than for you, but you get to come along on the journey I'm on. That's the takeaway, the application. Move beyond mere interest. Even wonder at the things of God and His gospel. Treasure them. Ponder them. Learn them. Wrestle with the gospel, with Scripture. And let Scripture through the Holy Spirit wrestle with you. And mostly preach the gospel to yourself. The gospel is this. From Romans 3, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. From Ephesians 2, starting at verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then Hebrews 4.16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As Dr. Keller put it, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at this very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And if you do turn to Jesus in faith, or if you have, as I know many, maybe most, all of you, if you already have turned to Jesus in faith and are in the day-to-day life of following Him with all your mixed motives, sometimes barely mustering interest, much less a deeper pondering or wrestling and the gospel is for you. Which means, as outrageous as this sounds, that when Father God sees you, He sees you with the same delight, the same love, the same approval that He sees His Son Jesus. For unto you, for unto us, for unto us, There is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Preach that to yourself. Treasure that. Ponder and wrestle with that. And Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for my precious brothers and sisters who I love. I I just pray as we're here a couple weeks out from Christmas that you'd walk with us as we really do wrestle and struggle with what it means to follow you 
here where we are in our jobs and our families in this culture. Um, Lord, I pray the truth of the gospel would be preeminent in all of it, that you would grow us up in our faith. I thank you again for these folks that I get to do life with. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.